We want to say thank you to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, 1812 Barbecue, Webmerized Website Design, Blue Collar Motorcycle Shop, and Hookline and Heroes. Without you, this episode would not be possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. And you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Blue Collar Cycle Studio right here in beautiful, historic Concord, North Carolina. I'll be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce the team. Over to my left, your right on the radio dial is producer Brian. Hey, guys. And, of course, across the way sits the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's Honorable Mention Vacuum Cleaner Salesman of the Year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number one. It's Mojo! It's so cold outside. Uh-huh. Even the Baptists are speaking in tongues. Oh! Thank you for uh, tuning in once again. You can find us on, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at Southern Fry Philosophers. Uh, Southern Fried Philosophy. Or, or the other oh, one. Yeah, that came out wrong. <laughs> Southern Fried Philosophy. You can find us on our website at southernfriedphilosophy.com. Wherever you listen to your podcast, just go there, hit subscribe, give a like, search for Southern Fried Philosophy. Most importantly, give us a review, a rating. That's how we move up in the old podcast algorithms. Uh, you can check us out on our Patreon link at uh, patreon.com forward slash SFP radio. The most important thing you could do is give us money. And as you said, you can uh, subscribe and be an SFP insider at uh, southernfriedphilosophy.com click on the patreon link give us money and we'll be happy uh, we want to say shouts out to our listeners from grand rapids green bay greensboro greensville north carolina and greenville oh south carolina it's greenville for both of them yeah one spelled different they're the exact same no i'm looking at trust it. me how are they different they're just different no, no, that's Tennessee. So Tennessee has a Greenville, but it has an E on the end. Of G-R-E-E-N-E-V-I-L-L-E. Yeah, North and South Carolina look like they're the exact same. But they're not the same. But they're not. They're spelled the same. It's like Buford and Beaufort. So our listeners brought to you by the letter G. G unit. So I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week, Mojo, I'd be darn. Yeah, it's cold. Cold. I had to. Had to uh, roll a couple uh, rolls of quarters and I turned on the uh, heat at the shop. Okay, because uh, I'm too cheap, and uh, <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't for the vibrating bed in the back. <laughs> That's what I'm thankful. For. Well, we we've switched that up now. We're actually going to put a uh, a quarter bull rod in there. Oh, uh, how about you? Yeah, and a, and a KY jelly re- KY jelly wrestling pit. Good gracious, but, what's uh, going we, on back there? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you got to do. You got to venture out. That's the that's the the great thing about. It. Free capitalism. That's not what's going to work. It's grape jelly wrestling pit. It might be gravy. That, oh, come on with it. Oh. Yeah, just ru- just <laughs> just soothe it on down. There you go. Yeah, buddy. so uh, yeah, that, I'm I'm good. Just uh, getting ready to for the holidays. Hopefully, we'll sell a few bikes here. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to that. Can you again, just in case our listeners don't remember, tell us about blue collar 
motorcycle. Yeah, shop. Blue Collar Cycles is a shop we just opened up in Salisbury. Well, it's kind of open. We're halfway there. It's kind of like more like a, uh, like a lingering hobby okay. than a full-time thing just because we're still getting inventory in and trying to get repairs and stuff like that. But, yeah, so we've got uh, this motorcycle company that we've uh, focused on Harleys and that culture and hopefully turn it into something decent. Yeah, trying to support a couple of families and yeah. So yeah. website's bluecollarcycle dot com and uh, I will ship. You said ship. Yeah, ship or ship. Yeah, ship. No, I will ship. Okay, all right. What? We, so, so you can buy it in California. Yeah, yeah. We 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 ship uh, to the forty eight. Ship international. Wow. We'll, we'll, really? Yeah, we'll figure out how to get it on the boat. How about you, producer Brian? How you been doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I have a little bit of a PSA. Okay. Listeners. So, sure. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I, I signed up. I registered for LLC like two weeks ago. Okay. Congrats. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I've kind of been dragging my feet for like 11 months. But <laughs> so I registered, paid the state their money. No big deal. Then I got a letter in the mail. Oh, no. Um, it's probably Monday, Tuesday, something like that. And it's a real official looking thing. Ooh. It says you need to apply for your or pay for your certificate of existence. Have you heard about wow. this? Wow. Yeah. So you did you get the yeah. did you get the letter? You it's kinda like, it's kinda like the mortgage like make sure you got your mortgage secure after you buy a house. I send you like twenty seven letters, different companies. Well the thing with Uh-oh. this thing, this certificate of existence is a total scam because it's not necessary and the company that's sending you this isn't affiliated with the state. At right. All. So I figured this out as I had the pen in my hand to write the check. Did did Paula not tell you? This had nothing to do with him. Okay. okay so that's the first thing. It was like a seventy five dollar whatever uh-huh. charge um, genius by the way so yeah you know, I, get, the, I get this envelope it looks real good it says from like the certificate authority or something i was Ooh. gonna bring it tonight but i didn't go home today sure. um it looks real official and i get it I'm, I'm holding it and looking at it and go okay so i look up like the email i got from paula i was like i feel like i should have paid all this stuff already right yeah. and I, I literally i have like i get a check out i got my pen let me look this up yeah i'll do i'm a research guy i do my research mm-hmm. i feel like i would know about this 75 dollars charge right for top, I'm on the page now. Secretary of State of North Carolina, it's a scam. Like the this particular part, there is such thing. Yeah, as a certificate of existence. It's not necessary for what I'm doing for sure. So this document looks real official. Uh-huh. Has all these names on it. So then I start looking at the envelope, and the return address is like a UPS store in Raleigh. Ooh. it's like not a PO box, which is my first like flag. The government thing is going to be probably be a PO box almost every time. Yeah. And it has a forever stamp on it. Oh, buddy. Like, just these itty-bitty details. Yeah. That just, I don't know. I was about to sign that, and it's my like my spider sense was going off or something. Note to B- self. bs meter you know. I'm going to send a letter to Brian Childers to buy a star, and you can name it. Yeah, there you go. Actually, I already have a star. I have a star named after me already. Do you yes, really? Um, Come on. <laughs> I didn't pay for it, though. Um, really? Yeah. I don't My My previous employer was like a. The whole everyone got one because he didn't be have kidding. anything better to do with money. Um, You're kidding me. Yeah, I, you have a star I have a certificate. This song, I can't give you the coordinates, <laughs> but yes, I do have a star named after me. Um, I'll maybe I'll take a picture of that and That'd be great. In the show notes. Um, How about it? But yeah, so this basically these people are looking at public records, finding information, yeah. and just trying to just skim a little bit. It's not a big enough number. Really, if you're starting a business, right? It's not a eh, $75, okay, whatever, sure, right? I'll write the check, that's just free money for them. So, I'd... yeah, I mean, because uh, just think if you had 100 people, 
a year that did that's you know money that you didn't have to actually go out and physically work for. yeah i mean they're probably just paying for the letterhead the envelopes in the mailbox well it's probably some comp it's, it's probably you remember the old plates like you could buy like collectible winter like wizard of Oz plates or right yeah. gun smoke or, or the, it's probably that company that went bankrupt and they're like hey let's you know we still got all this printing press stuff so we're gonna create this authentic certificate official so we gotta start trying to scam people i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's columbia house and they're still wanting their 1999 for their, their, their penny or their 99 cent or whatever right 20, that's probably 20 cds for a dollar but honestly, like, did you not read the email? Because in the email, Paula, because we just recently got trademarked, Southern Fried, uh, and it said, you're going to get a letter asking you for $75. Do not send them $75. I did not see that. But I wow. don't, I can't say I read anything outside of here's there your you document, go. here's your receipt. There it is. So, I'm still waiting for it because I haven't got it yet. Well, you haven't paid your $75 yet. <laughs> well, I paid oh, much oh, more oh, than oh, that, that one, to yeah. get the trademark. Oh. Yeah. Um, guys, I'm at a handle. I've got this, this, flu-like thing that's going on. It's not flu. It's allergies. I can tell by when I squish my face, mucus flushes down mm. my throat, and it's awful. Uh, to remedy that, I have brought the Southern Fried uh, Elijah Craig, the old reverend, with us. So mm. hopefully just bear with me as my voice wants to give out. Um, also, with the, with Small Batch, the foster kid number two, as I have never been so tired in my entire life right now. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> when is this kid going to fall asleep all through the night? For the love. Uh, mine was two. So two years you old? To to, yeah. you, th- you think it's bad now. What? Just wait till they become a teenager. No, our, that's our, right. our guest, Our guest, Gwen uh, Bartley, can probably testify that. Once they become a teen and they're, they are a turd, you know, instead of producing just nothing but turds, right. nothing else, they wait can... till they become a teenager and they become a turd. But at least I'll get my eight hours sleep. No, 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 no. No? Oh, Lord. No? You don't get that back. That doesn't come back. Oh, God. Don't. Oh, you'll never this. sleep again, ever. No. I can't spend the rest of my life uh, this tired. Dude, you will. By the time you get old enough, or they get old enough for you to maybe have a good night's sleep, your clock will have adjusted to only need like five hours of sleep, and you'll oh. be up at four in the morning anyway. How does this not come with a surgeon general warning that you'll never sleep it's again? It's in the fine print. It's like on that letterhead that Brian received. Email. He didn't read the email. Bear. I didn't read the email. Yeah. That should have been brought to my attention yesterday. Yeah, y'all yeah, never sleep again. Because teenagers, so you worry about them. Like my kid right now. You know, like last night I found out that she has a 44 in one of her classes. Something stupid, some stupid class. I was class. thinking 44 Magnum for a second. No, no, no. That would be awesome. But no, um, a 44 in um, like – some stupid class she got. I'm like, how do you get a 44? She don't turn her homework in. Math history or something. <laughs> Math history. I think maybe something like it. it's something like the you know the history of chi- chiropractic you know medicine mm-hmm. or something. I mean something stupid that they should be learning. But she does a 44. Can I can I say this? I don't know if I'm legally allowed to say it, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's just us anyway. Uh, foster kid number one, he's got a 53, and he he comes to me and says, "That's passing, right? That's a good grade, right? Hey, buddy." No, that's. I was like, "What? What letter do you think that is?" I think that's a solid B. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you learning at school? How do you not know this? Fifty-three. Evidently, they don't have the bell curve there. No, there's no bell. There's no horn. There's nothing there. Which point, like scale, is this? It's the like you know, college is ninety to hundred. Ninety to hundred. How they're doing it? I think they when dropped I was a it down. Kid, what, it 60 does, now. It was 93. sixteen above passing. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's a fifty-three for crying out loud. Well, yeah. 
No, it's, it, it's just getting by. He looked at me and with a grin on his face said, nailed it. Wait, what? Yeah. What? It's called repeat. Right. <laughs> what you're gonna be, like I told my kid today, I was like, you're going to be repeating the yep. 10th grade. Enjoy that. So, yeah. Well, I'm trying to get you out of the house now. You'll you'll enjoy this uh, when you got to do it again next year. Exactly. Appreciate it. All right. So, uh, let's go to some wacky news brought to you by 1812 Barbecue. If you need a quality caterer in the Charlotte area, Call our friends at 1812 Barbecue. They'll provide you with the greatest pulled pork, brisket, and those amazing sides. Check them out. All right, so um, here is a story that I wanted to bring up. I mentioned at the beginning of the story or at the show that you are the greatest um, vacuum cleaner salesman in history. There's a story out of uh, Clear Clearfield County, Pennsylvania. Lawrence Township Police responded to a man struggling walking down the highway with a vacuum cleaner on November 7th. Jason Schmoke, 38, was seen walking in the white fog line on the highway in and out of traffic, struggling with a large box containing his Bissell vacuum cleaner. Police identified him. Uh, he had a warrant for unpaid fines, and they reported that he was also, and this is a shocker, drinking alcohol while on probation with a no-alcohol clause. Charges have been filed. Uh, he was reportedly taken to the jail where he was placed in jail with his vacuum cleaner. Shoplifted? He got to keep the vacuum cleaner? Evidently, he got, that's the question. He evidently got to keep the vacuum cleaner. Was it his emotional support vacuum cleaner? Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Was he going to use it to Epstein himself? Oh, that's also a good call. I figured they'd put him in there so he could use that time putting it together. Because, oh, you know, yeah, there's yeah, 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 pieces apart, and whatnot, yeah. so... I just thought that was weird that he's walking around with a vacuum cleaner. In the box. In the box. It's not like he's pushing it down the road on wheels. Right. He just took the vacuum cleaner in box and decided, hey, this is a good time to go for a stroll, guys. Look, nothing surprises me anymore. We had a guy in our neighborhood near the shop that had a pet goat, and he walked it around. So after seeing that, I have low standards for Legi- The goat I could get. I could understand <laughs> get, goats, having goats a goat. can be useful. Right. No, in, in, no a, in a downtown area, yeah. I mean, gotcha. you don't know his goat cheese story. You don't know what's going on. All I know he is the goat making... ended up on a local menu. That's all I know. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, a curried goat? Yeah. Okay. Oh, buddy. Speaking of food. Still useful. Alaska University is taking PB&J as payment for parking tickets. Now, I could get behind this idea. In Anchorage, Alaska, anyone with unpaid parking fines at the University of Alaska campus has the option now to reduce or cover the cost of their tickets with peanut butter and jelly. The university would take donations for their annual payment tradition up until November 8th to combat student hunger. University officials say each person could use PB&J payments for two citations issued within the past 45 days. Officials say that a two-ounce jar offers a $10 credit, three jars offer a $35 credit, and five jars offer a $60 credit. They say any unopened, commercially produced nut butter, almond, cashew butter, peanut butter, or flavored jam, jelly, marmalade, or preserves would be um, accepted. Is this not a good idea just to combat hunger? I'm waiting for the, uh, the helicopter, helicopter moms with the uh, that one kid who has one allergy to one thing that's mm-hmm. unusual. It could be like pectin in the uh, jelly. Okay. You know, it's going to— Horse hooves? Something. Gotcha. It's going to be something that's crazy like that. But is that not a good idea? Instead of like... No, you know, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, that's great. 
instead of like, you know, pull you pull somebody over, you get a $200 ticket, whatever. Instead of like paying the $200, you can just donate food to a homeless shelter. So right. we, basically it was just peanut butter and jelly, no bread, right? That's the other question. What yeah. did, but you don't technically have to have bread. To well, thank the God bread. they didn't do the bread because, you know, you don't, you're going to have some tree hugger that brings that all nut bread, like uh-huh. Ezekiel's. Whatever. The Dave's Miracle Bread? Yeah, the one that has, you know, the one that's like an average slice of white bread probably weighs like a couple of grams. Yes. And then the, the heavy loaf weighs like a, a, for weighs about the same weight as a full cast iron pan of cornbread. <laughs> uh, my question is, if you bring in the Goober, you get two tickets. Oh, that's off. a good question. That's, probably, both, a, that's right? probably a half. I think. Yeah, it's probably a foul. Um, I, I just think that's genius. I think we need to do that throughout all 48 states. Defund the government. 50 states. PBNJ, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm all about anarchy. I'm all about defunding. I, I like that idea. So I thought that was a good idea. How about you? Producer Brian, do you have any uh, uh, upcoming clips you want to talk about on the, the headline show? Uh, Give us any teasers. Uh, any teasers. I haven't decided if I'm actually going to get one out this week or not. But, oh, okay. uh, I've been looking at stuff. Let me pull up my notes real quick. Um. Well, um, yeah, actually, oh, I do have a couple here. Uh, okay. So just a quick, quick run. I have the, the PB&J thing. I think I may have sent that to you. Um, I may read that out loud. Let's see. Um, just a quick, real quick, uh, voter fraud detected in bird of the year poll. Do what? There was a bird of the year, like, poll down in Australia, and they uh-huh. think that someone was cheating on the votes. The Aviary Society yeah, is uh, so pretty serious oh about my. that. But we'll get into that. Um, a pilot got arrested for being naked in his hotel room. Okay. Oh, yeah, in front of the window, right? He was in front of the window, uh-huh. on like the 10th floor. How about you? Yeah. Um, I do that then, sometimes. I'll how be can you be arrested in your own room that you're renting? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't help it has clear clear windows. Yeah, That's- and the story is he, like, got a phone call. Like, he, like, <laughs> whatever situation, got a phone call, was walking around. Right. Didn't know he was visible from the airport. Like, you can see the airport from the hotel. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and then the Japan's running out of ninjas. But Well, we can we can stop that right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, if you want more of that information, check out uh, Producer Brian's uh, Southern Fried Headline Show. I'm going to make a comment, uh-huh. and you Please can do. cut it out if you want to. I, gu- I guarantee he wasn't hung like Epstein. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Where's it at? I got to. I got to. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> well, maybe. There it is. Uh, the 1812 barbecue story started over 20 years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you fall-off-the-bone pulled pork mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget the sides. Coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812BBQ and he can make your next catered meal happen. Wedding and graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812 Barbecue. Want to try your own hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page 
Instagram at 1812barbecue, or call 704-604-5148, or email eric at eric.line at 1812barbecue.com, and he'll be glad to help any way he can. All right. uh, I do have a quick, I'm going to throw a segment at you real okay, quick. Let's do uh, it. We didn't talk about this before, um, but I have a new segment. It's called This Week in Chicken Sandwiches. It's Good. brought to you by a blue-collar motorcycle shop. Okay. All right. All right. Let's bring it. <laughs> so I drove by Chick-fil-A yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Never seen it. Brand new Chick-fil-A in university. Uh, I heard it's causing backups and stuff. Well, it might. I did, I, but here's what I saw. And you guys, we've been talking about the drive-thru sure. a lot. This had, instead of a drive-thru window, had a drive-thru sliding door. Wow. So, like, Ooh. a dude was walking out of the side of the building and handing people their sandwiches in the car. What's, like, what's next? They're going to be opening the door of your car and, and like, hey, on a tray? It's like the grocery store style, like, wow. slider or something. That's, that's pretty impressive. It, I, I was just like, whoa. And, you I, know, of course, he had a T-shirt on because it's hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. But, yeah. Wow. I'm going to give somebody a million-dollar idea. I just want a little bit of money from it. I have always wanted to have a, a donut shop that was in an old bank, and then you can just – Shoot them through the the little pipe things right down. <laughs> just take them off and go oh, like, like little mini the donuts. pneumatic tube thing. Yes, yeah, you pay extra to just lay on the floor underneath it with your mouth open. You could, um, but I think that would be genius. You could just you know ship donuts that quick. Go. Huh. Yeah. Now that could work. I'm telling you. Yeah. That could make some money. Hmm. Let's yeah. try. Let's try. There's a couple uh, uh, going under banks around mm-hmm. here that we can break into and try. Yeah, I this is right. oh, this is my favorite things when I was a kid. Oh yeah. yeah. I still am amazed by that. It blows my mind. And that's one of those like technologies that hasn't changed in the last 30 oh, no, years. Right. I mean, that was like the original part of communication for the Empire State Building and Sears Tower, Chrysler Building, things like that. Was that those tubes for mail? Yeah. I did see at the CVS, um, I don't know where, where it was, but it comes down and it looks like a um, telephone booth from London. You hmm. know, like it's, it's red. And it has like the little windows like and stuff. A time machine or something? Yeah, like you know Doctor Who. Yeah, like it comes down. and It looks like that, and you can get your uh, prescriptions and whatnot. It has like a little clipboard inside of it, and then it goes back up. One thing Walgreens doesn't have is a sliding glass door where they can walk out and hand you prescriptions like Chick Fil A. That's true. <laughs> um, speaking about chicken sandwiches, mm-hmm. I was coming home. Um, I was like, "What am I going to eat? Popeyes is first, Chick Fil A second. I drive through. I see Popeyes has like five cars in the in the drive-thru. I was like, eh, I'm going to keep going. And I saw Chick-fil-A had like 20. Dude, Chick-fil-A had me in and out faster than like the third car going through. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was fast. And you had, just an update, you had uh, the Popeye sandwich. You said the only thing different between the regular and the spicy is the mayo? Well, that's, right? that's the difference. Um, it's just, I, I haven't had the spicy. Okay. What I've read about it. But you said the only difference, only difference is that spicy yeah, mayonnaise. I saw that too. Yeah. See, the, it would be better if the batter was spicy, I would think. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I think yeah. that would overcomplicate them because I, I, yeah. when I went by the other day for a regular chicken sandwich, I was like, I got to try this again because, you know, the first one, I'm like, I wasn't floored with it. So yeah. I had to go back and try it. Okay. Um, and I, I, I literally thought I was going to get shot just asking for an extra pack of ketchup. Well, you probably almost I did. Mean, I mean, I, I there. saw it. I saw it in her eyes. I mean, it was, you know, and me asking where the napkins were. Oh, oh God yeah. forbid. Yeah, it was, um, kind of, it was kind of a stretch there. But can we talk just briefly, and I don't want to take over your segment, but what has happened to us as a society that we will go bat crap crazy over a chicken sandwich? 
Guys, it's a chicken sandwich. It's the, uh, you remember what happened with Bitcoins, right? Right. The oh, fear, yeah. No, fear, I still the remember. FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. Like, you, that's the reason why on the launch day for these things, people, Black Friday, you fear of missing out. It's, we have this thing built into our DNA as a culture now that if we don't participate in it somehow, yeah, we miss out. The only thing we don't really get the FOMO for is for elections because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. well, like or, 17% of the population votes at a voting age, you know, but, you know, uh, Popeye's chicken or you get, uh, Walmart announces they got two 40 inch TVs for 99 bucks. Right. People will go to war over it. it so, if, if like Krispy Kreme showed up with donuts for voters, everyone right. in America would go vote right oh, now. I, yeah, probably so. But, but then you'd have your Dunkin' faction. They're like, I'm not going because the Krispy Kreme's there. Yeah. It just it just blows my mind that people are literally being stabbed. People are fighting. Uh, fights are breaking out in the line because somebody cut in front. People are dying over this stinking chicken employee, sandwich. An employee got arrested because he he dropped a fifty five year old woman the other day in the in the in the restaurant, beat her and like severely injured her. Y'all, so what? Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. It, you don't. You wouldn't get that from Chick Fil A. They may stop and lay a hand on you and pray for you. They'll pray for you, but they're yeah. not going to freaking <laughs> you know slap you around. But what's going on in our society that we yeah. are just like the mob mentality? Like, what is going on? I, I and I don't. It's a you. Uh, here's the thing: Chick, the Popeyes chicken sandwich is decent. I think we agreed last week that the the pickle and the bread was what made it. Right. I think for the most part. Sure. But you wouldn't. People, I guess it's like going to your grandma's on Sunday after church at Chick-fil-A. You, you have a respectful attitude. You're not going to hear the F-bomb dropped in there many times. People have a different level of respect. You go to Popeye's, that's like, you know, I just left Granny's house, and I'm going to for the two-for-one strip club night. No, and You I lose all common sense in the place. Well, we've lost all common sense across the board, I believe. But, no, I believe. I, I agree with that. We have just lost our ever-loving mind. All right, so speaking of, let's go to Hot Topics, brought to you by uh, Watchman Cigars. If you want a quality cigar at a reasonable price, check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Um, All right, guys, the sport that has been pitched as a safer alternative to football amid growing evidence of football's physical toll on participants has now become under question. You guys know, remember like how football is so dangerous. These concussions are just out of hand. We can't possibly... Uh, play this horrible sport anymore, so everybody's now going to play soccer, the communist sport. Uh, But when it comes to concussions, it's not much different than football, especially for a teenage girl. A study, according according to a study of 20 high school sports published last November, um, uh, girls' soccer is the second highest on the list of, uh, of a concussion rate. University of North Carolina found that football has the highest concussion rate with 10.4 concussions per 10,000 athletic exposures, followed by girls' soccer with 8.19 concussions. Boys' soccer had a much lower rate of 3.57. UNC researchers looked at the injuries per athletic exposures for high school students um, between 2013 and 14 and 17 and 18. For every athlete, one Practice or competition is counted as one exposure. Overall, 9,542 concussions were reported during the study period. Um, UNC study, the UNC study found that heading the ball was responsible for 25% of the concussions, but close to 50% were associated with uh, col- uh, col- 
collusion. I want to say collusions, but it's co- collisions. 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 Why I keep saying seeing collusions, but it's uh, collisions among players. Another common way is by hitting their head on the ground. Guys, it's not that. It's not that safe. Much safer. You know, the whole left wing wanted us all to go to soccer because it's so safe. But everybody's getting concussions. They say that guys aren't uh, um, having as much concussions because they don't want to report that they've actually had a concussion playing soccer. Oh, so the numbers are skewed. The numbers are skewed because mm-hmm. they're not re- self-reporting. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. fine. I'm, I'm a man. I'll take it. The other excuse Ooh, was that— then you let the patriarchy clip in. And, in. Yep, and then the other excuse was that women's necks are a lot more brittle than guys. Um, they say that the experts say that that could be an option. Maybe it's not the the guys aren't reporting due to masculinity. Maybe it's the guys not reporting because of their desire to play or that feeling that they have to play. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that becomes part of your identity. I am a football player. Mm-hmm. I am a baseball player. I am a, you know, sweeper on a, uh, the, what you call it, the eye sweepy thing, whatever. But you're know going mean? back to vacuums again. Yeah, something like that. Okay, I mean, like, lots of you know, you talk about guys always like playing hurt. Like that's a thing that happens, right? Especially I know in football, but in all sports. Yeah, maybe they don't talk, tell the medical staff exactly what's yeah. going on because they want they're competitors. They have that, yeah. especially at top levels, they're they're bred. I mean, they're so like high strung for that stuff, right? Well, because uh, they have something on the line too. Yeah, you know, in a lot of these competitive sports. Uh, Anyway, I just want to no, a tangent yeah. with the patriarchy, you know, comment that we have in everything in society now. I do think it's interesting. Yeah, I do think football is, you know, you got a high risk of concussions, but supposed to, supposedly the safer sport is actually causing a lot of concussions as well. So I have a theory uh-huh. uh, about this. I think it might be that like humans are becoming more, some of us anyway, are, uh, more physically, like we've, we've kind of figured out how to dial in the physicality and how to build the right body. Uh-huh. So things are happening faster and balls oh, are being hit harder. And, you yeah. know, they talk about, like, especially football, like in the 60s and 70s, those guys wore like a, like a Burger King crown instead of a helmet. Right, yeah. And, and all those guys <laughs> ended up having issues anyway, but right. you know, they didn't know it until way down the road. But I think they've got, we've got this performance, like everyone's just so finely tuned. Yeah. Especially like in the, even in the high school sports, like their training regiments and their yeah. nutritional intake and stuff. They're building themselves to be more efficient athletes. Yeah. Which, so I think things are happening faster and the, our bodies can't really keep up with that. Yeah. Well, that's a good call. I would agree with that. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this article is talking about concussions is that there's really no clear defined way of saying that they're good to go back. Um, There's one family that this uh, article was following. They asked Dr. David Marshall, the medical director of the sports medicine program at Children's Healthcare in Atlanta. After the latest concussion, the mother asked, well, uh, I asked him when we reach the point when she can't play soccer anymore, Marshall told him there is no magic uh, number or set recovery time. This is interesting. The hospital no longer prescribes a week or longer to complete cognitive rest with quiet time or a dimly lit room. The goal now is to make the kids' lives, quote, as normal as possible because having them miss out of too much school and cutting them off for their friends was causing an emotional stress. 
He recommends children miss no more than two to three days and then return for half days to, uh, to be able to rest in the nurse's office as needed. There should also be accommodations to avoiding loud noises in the cafeteria and gym. One constant remains, young athletes should be free of all concussion symptoms before resuming even light aerobic activity, such as a walk in the neighborhood, gradually increasing intensity, and only to return to sports after getting the okay from a doctor. Marshall said the key to recovery was making sure the young athlete's brain has healed before resuming the sport. And if it takes longer than three months, the family has to consider, is it really worth another concussion? Three months, and then be like, "Oh, okay. I guess they're they shouldn't play that sport anymore." So they're more uh, concerned about emotional emotional stress, stress. Than permanent physical disability down the road, right? Because <laughs> they want them to feel as normal as possible. I just thought that was weird. Uh, yeah, that's coming from Atlanta. That's where well, the CDC is. Yeah, no, I, I get <clears throat> yeah. that, but I'm just like, anyway. So uh, I'm going on record to say that I have been in concussion since 1994. So I reduce my, my activity level, and I shall sit in a dimly lit room the remainder of the day. So anyway, I just thought that was very interesting. Any other thoughts? Things aren't simple anymore. Like, you know, you back in the day, you would just make a judgment decision. Like, hey, yeah, I feel better. I think I'm going to go try it out. We'll go try to put some weight on this leg. Right. Now we got protocols and mismatch and then, you know, psychological therapy that you got to order, you know, infrared lights to put over your eyes to it's just i don't know it's just complicated maybe we just do away with sports what we'll is you know make fighting for a chicken a popeye's chicken sandwich as a sport or something like that oh that actually would yeah, be good yeah go back to simpler times when there was only one chicken sandwich yeah, yeah i agree i right. like that if you're in the market for a high quality cigar for a very reasonable price you must check out our friends at watchman cigars watchman cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars. 1991, or check out his new website at watchmancigars.com or the sponsor section of our website. Um, all right, so here's the next one, and I want to get your all's opinion. Netflix test spinge bead, spin, Netflix test speed binge feature and draws Hollywood outrage. There's a new feature that uh, Netflix is quietly testing, and it's quickly drawn a big backlash from Hollywood creatives. Uh, the uh, the savvy mobile users of the streaming service has spotted a new feature on the Netflix Android app that allows subscribers to speed up or slow down playback without muting the volume. So you can playback speeds to 0.5, 0.75, 1, 1.25, or 1.5, respectively. The feature is not unlike what most podcasts and audio apps already have and is used by some listeners to consume more content quicker. Um, in some cases, they have to slow it down because they have difficulty understanding, like my father. Uh, first blush response from the industry creatives, however, was not good. Turns out the filmmakers don't like the idea of viewers watching their painstakingly crafted work on chipmunk mode. Uh, what do you guys think about being able to binge watch at a higher speed instead of just the normal? Why would you want to? 
If you're going to take time out to sit down and watch a show that has no commercials already, you like, why would you, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you can, if you want to, I could care less, but I wouldn't. I mean, I'm taking time out to enjoy something that I'm, I'm watching. Right. So I have this mental picture in my head. Like you, you see movies where they're, they're brainwashing somebody and their eyes are like clipped open and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, images are flashing through. I just imagine someone like watching Breaking Bad that way. Yeah. You know? Well, that and that <laughs> just was, to get it all in. Right. That's what they were saying. We don't have enough time to watch seven seasons of anything. You gotta maybe they'll condense it down to cliff notes. You know, like the trailer, they'll just make a trailer like twice as long. Mm-hmm. It'll be like eight minutes long, and then that'll be the whole show. It'll just be, be nothing it. but highlights. That wouldn't actually be that none, idea. Of, none of the story building. No character development. Just yeah. this is what happened. Yeah. I, I, Credits. Yeah. Like it'd be almost like a telenoeva style soap opera. You know, just quick, quick clips and bam, you're out. Hey, careful. That, <laughs> I don't think that's telenoeva. Um, I, what do you think about losing the artistical integrity of the film by speeding it up one and a half times. Um, well, filmmakers are, they're artists. They craft their thing to be a certain way. Yeah. And I've heard even podcasters talk about this. They, they're not going to cater to people. If you want to speed it up, that's on you. Right. But we made it this way. It's an art form. It's a thing that we've created. We want it to look a certain way. We chose a certain frame rate because we want the image to be a certain smoothness, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I could, I mean, I wouldn't be mad. Right. Because at the, by the time it gets to Netflix, the money's already in the bank, but you know, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> they've, already paid, they've already paid the rights for that move, that stuff. Yeah. If you know some yeah. college kid wants to sit there and just you know stare at the screen, watch stuff go by faster, yeah, who cares? I think eventually what will happen is if Netflix offers this, Hulu, then Hulu and Amazon go to it, and all of a sudden Amazon Hulu notices that maybe they're getting some fire back, then they cannot offer the service, and maybe. You know, customers would move over to them. Market. Yeah. So, I mean, the free market will answer it. But I think it's stupid because it's like reading a book. You know, you don't read like three pages of a 10-page a chapter, chapter and then move on to the next chapter. I mean, like you said, the, the author uses – an author is a wordsmith trying to portray a story or an idea. And he's crafting the idea. He's building that idea. And all of a sudden, if you take, you know, 66% of that out, you know, you're going to be lost. Well, do you listen to podcasts at a faster rate? No, I think it sounds stupid. It, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, like at one, I listen to them and they're like, I do 1.2. So it kind of breaks up some of the in-between stuff, you know, like the, the pauses. It makes it, you know, a little bit better. And that's your choice. I, just, I don't just because you want, um, for me, music, right. podcasting is basically is soothing to the ears. You're you're trying to obtain an idea. You're Have trying you listen to, to our show. I'm not talking about our show. Oh, okay. I'm, just, to this show I'm just saying that you know you're trying to learn. If you listen to a podcast, right. and it's something specific. You're 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 dialing into that to hear a story, to hear someone's perspective, to get information. Right. And I I, I find I I absorb that better if I listen at a normal speed, normal pace, normal cadence. Now, do you ever go the other way and slow it down, and it sounds like they're drunk? That's really funny, by the way. No, I have not. That, done you got to try that. I think this could come back to bite Netflix a little bit because they're paying. Say they're they're paying based on a certain number of views, uh-huh. and if they start, if, if content creators start creating things to, that are optimized for this, mm. like episodes could be, you could a person could watch more in the same amount of time. So, that, say your compensation was based on views uh-huh. on the show, 
like individual watches to the whole thing. Right. If it's not 40 minutes anymore and it's 35 minutes, uh-huh. like those are going to skew down eventually and they're going to have to pay for more views in that time. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, they yeah. Could, like financially it could come back to bite them if, that, huh. if that's the way the market works. Anyway, that's the way I But also I you, could, you could also have content creators shop, shop their content around. And like Netflix, Say, I don't know, want to could, be part of that. Yeah, Netflix yeah. Could, could become the blockbuster of streaming, you know, right. and, and not like have Martin a, Scorsese's not going to be on Netflix. Yeah, like I'm going, I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to release. Like you have a big anticipated show or movie, and yeah. they're only going to release and they're going to, you know, block out Netflix. Yeah. I mean, because the content creator wants to for the, their episode or show to be valued. Yeah. I will say, like, I'm, I'm seeing commercials for the Apple Plus TV. And there's some good quality shows, it looks like, that's on. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm illegally streaming several episodes right now. Good for so, you. Yeah, Way to go. Yeah, it's very good. Also, so, Disney Plus, too. How about <laughs> Disney Plus? That started out. It like, broke on Tuesday or whatever, didn't it? Did you guys have issues with that? I no, I don't mind legally streaming. When, oh, okay. When do you, do you, how, how do you get Disney Plus? Like, how Subscribe do you stream to it? Pay money. So you okay? So you like pay seven ninety nine a month or something, or, like that. or buy an iPhone. But I just heard today, okay, that if you have Verizon, oh yeah, they're running some kind of deal right now that you can get the Disney Plus for free. Yeah, for you tw- can, but there's always a catch to yeah. it with your cell phone plan. It you have to change to unlimited, unlimited, unlimited which we already have. So yeah, but there's you're a, out. So. Yeah, but there's a new thing now where it's like because Apple or AT, extra unlimited or something. AT and T has the same thing, but you could get. Uh, one of their streaming services or something for free. You get DirecTV. Some, yeah, yeah. Some, you get something for free. Yeah, well, once yeah. we looked into it, the, the throttle, if they throttle back sooner, so, yeah, you get unlimited data, but once you hit, like, you know, 20 megs or something like that, they cap it out and it slows down. Yeah. Also, if you buy a new, like, iPhone or iPad or something, you get it for a year for free. So, but They want people watching it. That's what yeah. it's about. Yeah. I mean, and it was interesting. It's talking about cell phone plans. I remember three years ago, I was begging for an unlimited plan. Couldn't get it. Now I can't not get it, you know. It's just interesting. Yeah, they kind of they kind of pigeonhole you into mm-hmm. certain plans now, and yeah. like you, you really can't just go in and pay for the phone anymore. They they like it's twenty eight, it's thirty six, <sighs> it's forty eight. You know, if you get a new iPhone, you can if you do it. You can. Yeah, you can, but they they almost make it seem like it's not. You have an to option. know how to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, you can't just walk in and go. I don't want to pay seven hundred dollars now. Right. Yeah. The the One Plus, like we talked about on the show, like I didn't have to. Buy it from Verizon. I just bought it outright and put it on Verizon Network. It was fine. So, yeah, anyway. but nobody nobody has that phone. It's a great phone. I've heard, I've heard good things. There's yeah. like ten people that have it. What? <laughs> Nine out of ten. <laughs> it is a good phone. I like it. So suck it. I've heard good things about I'm it. Just kidding. If it just had a different operating system, I'd be doing it. You know. Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back. We have uh, in studio Gwen uh, Bartley with Grace Adv- Amazing Grace Advocacy. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Hook, Line, and Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit based in Charlotte, North Carolina, founded in 2017 to show God's love and appreciation for our disabled and PTS military veterans. They provide professionally guided fishing trips to nominated veterans at no cost to the veteran. Hook, Line, and Heroes has provided over 30-plus trips around the Carolinas since their founding, from red fishing down in Charleston to striper fishing on Lake Norman and even offshore fishing down in Florida. Each trip is a one-on-one experience with a member of the organization aiming to provide a day of fun and relaxation on the water and begin a lifelong relationship with them. 
Each veteran leaves the day with a fully stocked tackle box, rod and reel, apparel, a Bible, and a daily devotion to kick to kickstart their new hobby and build their relationship with God. Please take the time to visit their website at hooklineandheroes.org to hear and learn more about them. You can help in many ways by nominating a veteran you know through their website, join their monthly giving program, Healing Heroes, or send a one-time personal or corporate donation. You'll also be happy to hear that they are completely volunteer-run and nearly 100% of your donations goes directly towards providing trips for the veterans. Be sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to see their veteran stories and to show your support. All right, we're back. This is the Southern Pride Philosophy Podcast. If you don't know that, you're an idiot. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we have in studio uh, Gwen Bartley from Amazing Grace Advocacy. Um, what an amazing uh, organization that you have to help with uh, people understanding mental illness, um, to connect people that have no feel like they have no resources. Um, and just on a personal note, uh, we would not have uh, foster kid number two without Gwen uh, as a friend and Amazing Grace Advocacy. Um, they went above and beyond to help uh, get this thing pushed through. So, Gwen, thank you um, for what you do, and thank you for changing my life again for mostly the better, except at four in the morning. That's when I cuss <laughs> you out. Um, but uh, again, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Uh, Gwen, tell us a little bit about your organization. Do a better job of what you guys do. Um, we've had you on the show. You've been on an episode before, but some people may have not listened. What do you guys do? <laughs> Producer Brian raises his hand. How have you not listened to all the episodes? Uh, what do you guys do for North Carolina and across the country? So our main goal is to help families that are raising really complex children. So that means kids that have anything that's affecting their brain and their function. Okay. So it can be mental health, intellectual disabilities, autism, traumatic experiences, anything that's affecting how they behave and how they see the world. Um, our goal is to really help parents understand how to navigate different systems um, and their entire domains of life. So not only clinically with therapy and so on, but medically, educationally, what they're doing for recreation in the family, what they're doing for spirituality, what mm. what they need to be whole and have quality of life. Mm. Um, that is our goal. And every family is different and every family has... Um, they're very particular needs. So we really work individually one-on-one -on -one with each family. Mm. And we serve this area of North Carolina, um, but we do get calls all over the state and even in different states throughout mm. the country as well. So we do um, most of our work locally because it's we're embedded with the specific providers and school systems in this area, but we go wherever it's needed and try and do our best virtually if need be. Um, but yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell what we do. Um, we work with children ages birth, as you know, right. um, all the way through that transition to adulthood. So we have some kids um, in their early 20s that we're, we don't hand them off until they're secure with adult services. So mm -hmm. it's not a solid cutoff date. Um, 
and just making sure that they're going to go on to be successful little adults in whatever that looks like. Um, we, we have all kinds of severity as well. So we have, you know, kids that might just be having some behavioral issues, ADHD type of things, um, all the way up to very serious mental illness, um, kids with extreme severe behaviors with autism, um, kids that can't remain in their home safely. So kind of the whole gamut of kiddos. Times have dramatically changed, um, from at least even in my generation where it was just suck it up, buttercup, you know, get over it, move on, deal with it. But nobody ever taught you how to deal with it as a kid. Um, even we talked a couple of weeks ago about depression and how just that has changed uh, in society. Um, what are some other stigmas that you still see that are prevalent in today's culture, even when we're trying to be sensitive? You know, st- stigma is a funny word because I'm actually an anti-stigma person <laughs> as far as um, we've used the word stigma almost as a crutch now. Mm. Like we can't get services because there's stigma or we, you know, this type of thing. And the truth of the matter is, is that I would say the majority of families that come to us are way beyond stigma. Mm. Their barriers to getting help is financial and insurance. Um, so instead of being afraid to go seek help, they're begging for help, but they can't get it. Um, in one of the good things that has happened in our society is we are talking about mental health pretty regularly. It's mm-hmm. every day somewhere you hear, right? Some way or another. And that's good because we are definitely in our schools being more open to having kids discussing these things, um, discussions within families. But the downside of it is we did away with a lot of, you know, have it being stigmatized, but now we don't have the resources to help Mm -hmm. people. We don't have enough providers. We don't have financial accessibility. Um, It's tough because we've kind of created a problem that we weren't prepared. It's like building the subdivision with no road infrastructure (laughs) around it, you know? Um, And that's really what we see right now is a huge problem. So financial insurance, is it the in, the issue with the insurance not knowing how to deal with it? No, it's – so this is this is really – this is going to be my soapbox. Are you ready? Come on. Okay. So this is what I go up and scream and rant in Raleigh, North Carolina <laughs> about. So what we've done is we've divided mental health services into two categories. Okay. We have families that qualify for Medicaid – and those children basically can get, think of the platinum plans on Obamacare, okay? okay? There's no limits. There's no co-pays. There are a good selection of providers available. If the kids are really severe and they need to go into residential treatment, hospitalizations, it can happen yep. as long as you have Medicaid. Then we have our working families who have commercial private insurance, and we have allowed the insurance companies to basically silo mental health care or care for people with um, intellectual disabilities or autism. And they have put extreme limits on those services. So if you want to go to a therapist and you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, I'm throwing you guys right under the bus there. <laughs> um, you might get 12 visits a year. Okay. 
that's paid for with a copay. But that copay might be pretty high. It might be like a specialist type of copay, like $70. Okay. If a kid needs a lot of therapy once a week, do the math. Like what family can afford that? Right. So, but that's uh, that's a good insurance plan that actually allows you to even have mental health care. Some don't even cover it. The other part of the problem is the next level of care. So let's say outpatient therapy is not working for this kid. They need to go into a hospital. Most insurance companies are only going to authorize 7 to 14 days of a kid in a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. There's kids that need to be in residential, psychiatric residential centers for 9 to 12 months. They're not going to get in. The insurance is not going to pay for it. They, at the max, we have gotten some kids 30 days. Um, but then you're kind of opening a can of worms for these kids because you're starting some heavy-duty treatment, and then you're yanking them out and sending them home. Yeah. So they're oftentimes worse off than if you just didn't open that can of worms for them. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's really um, difficult to get kids that have working come from working families with insurance, any kind of coverage for, um, it's particularly a problem for kids that have severe autism. Mm. Um, they require a very specialized type of treatment and services, and we just don't have, um, very many facilities that will do that kind of work to begin with. And they almost never accept any kind of private insurance. Mm. Why is that? too expensive for the insurance companies wow so um these you know these treatment facilities they can run in excess of 150 to 200 thousand dollars for treatment holy cow yeah so insurance companies just don't want to cover it um and i we have something in the state rolling out called medicaid transformation okay um which is going to take our basic Medicaid system, and turn it into somewhat of an Obamacare. So there's going to be private insurance companies that are going to manage our Medicaid system instead of the state managing it. So Hmm. um, that is currently started, but because of our state um, budget stalemate, it stalled in Raleigh, and so we're not really sure on hard dates of when it's going to roll out. But that's going to change Medicaid um, for a lot of our families. The kids that are the most severe, that need these really high levels of care, they're going to be put into a different pocket of Medicaid um, so that they'll still be able to access their services. Um, it's going to be very complicated. That's something we help families try and navigate and be educated about right now so they're ready for it. Just so I understand, so if you have private insurance, you may be able to get the Medicaid transformation. No, no. So that's our whole. <laughs> that's our. That's our whole. Um, why our budget is being held up because um, Governor Cooper. Governor Cooper wants the Medicaid income limits to be expanded for Medicaid expansion. To go higher. To go higher, so okay. more people qualify for Medicaid because Medicaid is based solely on your income. So, which we, all of us advocates in, in this work, want Medicaid expansion because obviously there's so many families that are kind of on that bubble and they really need that Medicaid. However, 
If we're already doing Medicaid transformation, which means we're taking a very large system, a complex system, and we're privatizing it into five basically commercial insurance companies, Blue Cross Blue Shield being one of them, that's huge. And it's difficult. Sure. If we were to do Medicaid expansion at the same time that we're rolling out Medicaid transformation, there's an estimate that there's going to be 500,000 more North Carolinians thrown into that system. Oh, wow. So if you take a complex system that you're already totally revamping mm-hmm. and you throw 500,000 more people into it, you're going to collapse the system. So, basic, <laughs> so basically I'm thinking about doing construction work uh, at Concord Mills during Black Friday. Exactly. Like it is just backed up and you're no longer be able to move. Exactly. Gotcha. And then what happens is, you know, our most fragile individuals on Medicaid who are in situations like group homes, um, treatment centers, you know, if our system collapses, what happens to all those people yeah. that are, you know, very severe and can't be reintegrated into their communities or their homes? Yeah. Um, so it's a scary prospect because they don't have a good plan for it. Um, so that's why the state is is having a battle over this because mm. the the governor has vetoed the budget unless Medicaid expansion is added into the Medicaid transformation and um, all the legislature base all the Republican legislature is saying no, we want to do it separately and um, they can't seem to huh. come to an agreement on it. Do you know the income level of where that would? go from they haven't the numbers are always kind of fluctuating but basically right now here's how you would qualify if you bring in over twenty six hundred dollars a month you are not going to qualify for medicaid so let's think about that like how many people raising a family with maybe two kids are living on twenty six hundred dollars a month yeah i mean that's a really low very low yeah um they are talking about raising it, I believe, to be about $3,600 a month. But that number keeps sliding all over the place. I've seen it go as high as like 55 down, you know, if you have like six kids. You know, it, yeah, it all, it's, the there's all these algorithms of how many kids you have, what your income level is. Um, so, again, to throw such a complex issue into haphazardly into a state budget. Yeah. And not have plans for it, yeah. It's why. Do, <clears throat> why does Cooper want to expand an additional five hundred thousand? Medicaid expansion has been going on all over the country. We're mm-hmm. like one of eleven states that has not done it, so it's it's kind of a popular mm. thing that's going on, and it's needed. It, it's definitely needed because, you know, again, how many people really? Are you serving when you're putting a cutoff at twenty six hundred dollars a month? But you and only you only have a limited amount of services, though. It's not like you bring in five hundred thousand new people. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to have five thousand new doctors of exactly. Right. It, it's what we're asking for is an entire crap show here. I mean, yeah. literally. Yeah. I mean, because you have finite services, you have finite people that specialize in areas, but you have an enormous amount of new people. I just. It, I know Medicare expansion has been the Democrat platform for the 2020 election now. That's all we hear about. It. Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, you can't just add infinite amount of people to something and not. That'd, that'd be like, you know, Popeye's chicken and 
all of a sudden giving out free coupons to everybody. It's going to be a madhouse. Right, exactly. And that's what all of us that work in this field are terrified of because we're already struggling to find services for families. Yeah. There's a shortage, a huge shortage of um, trauma-informed therapists. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about trauma in a minute. Yep. And there's a huge shortage of child adolescent psychology, or I'm sorry, psychiatrists. Um, Currently, if, if, let's say your kiddo ends up in a psychiatric hospital, a suicide attempt or major depression, Mm -hmm. okay? You've never been to any mental health provider before. And the hospital says, you're going to need to follow up with a psychiatrist next week, which is what hospitals are telling people, right? Okay. So you go home to your community, you call all the child psychiatrists in the area. There may be four, okay? Right. None of them will have an opening. You'll be put on a list for a new patient. You might get an appointment in six months. Wow. Like, that's the reality. That's what we're dealing with here in Cabarrus County. Wow. Um, So, yeah, exactly. If we don't have, if you don't build that infrastructure, to take on what you're trying to add to a system, you're going to crash a system. And it's too fragile of a system to crash. We can't afford it. There's one way to fix it, but it would, it, it would take a few years to do it, and it would not, we would not have quality, <laughs> I mean, quality care at all. It would just be this guy went to school for six years, and his IQ level is 93, but he's going to write me a prescription for something. I mean, or he stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 your quality of care goes down once you start. Once you start becoming the the the, uh, the uh, regulator and the rationer of a service, then your quality goes down quite a bit. So, yeah. and it's tough. You you talked about trauma informed counselors, like those are really hard to find. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, um, one of the things that I'm excited to share with you guys is we as Cabarrus County, where we live. Um, we were given an opportunity to apply for a grant from the state okay. called the Trauma-Informed Community Grant. Okay. And so I was charged to be um, the lead in that and worked with a team of um, 10 major stakeholders here in the county, and we put together a really great grant repo- proposal, and we got it. Awesome. So um, we start next week working with the state. They're going to be um, – we are one of three – counties in North Carolina that was chosen for this. Um, So what they're going to be doing is coming in and looking at what we've got, what we've been doing, where our needs, where our gaps, and helping us create a framework of making Cabarrus County be a leader in trauma-informed care. Mm. Um, So we have, starting next Wednesday till June 30th of 2019, to build this framework with the state. Um, So I'm really excited to be a part of that because it's, it's... Trauma is probably the number one issue that we have across this country. And it affects, obviously, every aspect of a kid's life. Um, And I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, even with the athletics, like how when we were growing up, kids were tougher or, you know, and now you hear, or even like, you know, so many kids are diagnosed now with autism. How many kids did you know when you were growing up had autism? Like, I didn't even know what that was. Right, right. And so, you know, we really look at this as, is this really something new that's coming up because of some environmental issue that's going on with, you know, as women are pregnant and so on and so forth? Or was it always there and it just was never diagnosed properly and those were the kids that were just odd, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, we don't know because there's just not hard data on it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, because uh, I, uh, we've had this problem, me and my wife and a few other people have had this kind of um, just thought experiment of like, because, you know, they, they said the rates now are the chances of uh, someone having autism is like one in, by, by the year 2030, I think it's supposed to be one in eight or something like that, one wow. in nine. It's going to be high. Yeah. But 25 years ago, it was like one in 650. Huh. So either A, we've become better at detecting it, or B, something may be possibly causing it. Um, but, you know, in, and I happen to, personally me, conspiracy, I'm starting on a segue, but, um, but I think it's something maybe causing it because we, I mean, we're a population of 300 million, you know, people, my people, our age, I was born in 77. We'd have a, a largeable sizable population of people that would be, you could obviously say, all right, this person's autistic. This person is a high, you know, has Asperger's, this person's fall somewhere on the spec on the spectrum. So I, I don't know. I just, it, it's odd. And, as we increase in this, as the, as the ratio becomes greater, the need is going to become greater. And I just going back to the, you know, the, the Medicare expansion, I just, how do we, how do we find care for everyone? Yeah. I don't, that's it's, like, I mean, I'm sure you asked the same question too. I mean, daily, yeah, <laughs> daily. Yeah. And it's, um, what, what we're seeing happen too is like, you can have a child that's born, you know, neurotypical, right? no, present signs and then things start to develop you know three four years old all of a sudden they're starting to actually regress and lose Mm -hmm. abilities um it's it's really scary because they don't know why Mm. and they haven't found a common denominator so there's there's always a ton of research of you know is it immunizations because that's something that happens during that thing they've kind of debunked that but i i think there's still a lot to look at with all of that well, coffee is bad, and then coffee is good. I think you right. know the science is still out on a lot of things. You know, I it, it'll be interesting to see. <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see in the next fifteen years where we actually see. But of course, in fifteen years, that ratio may be greater, maybe one in three. Yeah, you know, it's and like eggs. You know, like they said, eggs were bad for you. Now they say they're no, good eggs for you. are great. Yeah, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. But going back to the trauma aspect yeah. is so. Something is going on with children that is bringing this trauma level higher because there were, you know, there's always been abuse and neglect, right? But we're seeing really serious trauma that is affecting these kids and their development where they're not able to um, function. They're not able to learn. They're not able to develop your basic skills like remorse, empathy, um, you know, and zero impulse control, you know, just it's all these things, and they're all trauma-based. You know, you can have a, a child that has a totally normal IQ, you know, has has no um, reason why they can't succeed in school, and they can't because mm-hmm. they've been exposed to trauma. And um, it's trauma therapy is long. It takes a long time. It's not mm-hmm. something that you can do for eight weeks with a kiddo and, you know, wean them down and then they're on their merry way. Um, trauma therapy can take years and some kids don't necessarily recover. There can be in real severe cases, there can be actual, um, hard wiring that changes within their brain. Yeah. And once those pathways are there, they're 
behaviors and their um, how their outlook is on life and how they react with other people, it's it's not fixable. Yeah. Um, and it's so th- our goal is is the sooner you can prevent, right? So the earlier you catch these kids and and get the right things in place and get the parents um, behaving in ways that doesn't cause more trauma, then your outcomes are going to be better because really by the age of seven or eight, if a kiddo has not been taken out of a traumatic environment or has had um, therapies to deal with what they've been exposed to, the outcomes start really declining pretty quick. Um, And it was brought to my attention going through classes. Like the trauma, I always think of like, you know, the trauma being uh, you got physically abused, mentally abused, those type of things. But even learning that trauma can happen inside the womb mm-hmm. for that child. Even if it's not born, it can already experience that trauma. Um, and when it comes out, as soon as it comes out, it can already experience that trauma. And that blew my mind that it even well, there's actually been, there, there's actually been studies done of Holocaust survivors and their, their kids. And they've actually found out that trauma can be encoded in DNA. And, and that can actually be passed upon several generation lines. So you could have a Holocaust survivor, their kid, their kid's kid, and their kid's kid's kid could actually have some presence of that trauma encoded in their gene. Yeah, I I have read about that before, too. And that's really something that, um, you know, families of adoption, which almost all of us here at this table deal with that. Um, Brian, why aren't you? God. Come on. We need Always got to be the we oddball. Need, we need to get Brian like, what, what, a kid. What are we talking about? <laughs> that you're an oddball out. You're the, you're the only you're the only one here is not a adoptive, adoptive parent. Oh. Would yeah. you like one? <laughs> it's like a teenager. Full, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a couple of those at my house. Um but what what they're, you Did know, find adopt shame him. <laughs> is that, is a, that thing? a thing? Actually, yeah. that, that could be a good thing. Hey, we could, yeah, we could find a lot of kids' homes, right? <laughs> um, but <laughs> for sixty-nine cent a week, you too. <laughs> it ain't sixty-nine cent a week. What are you doing here? Yeah. No, I just saw it. I just saw another one of these commercials never, today. Correct you'll me. never sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the kid children that are, um, you know, while they're in utero, they're hearing the mother's voice, and then they're born. They can have a perfectly healthy, normal birth. Um, But then the next person that's holding them is not that voice. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself they found lasts and lingers with children of adoption. Um, But, yeah, it's it's really the trauma factor is really something that um, we see a lot. And what's unfortunate is we see a lot of it accompanying autism, accompanying intellectual disabilities, because those kids are really hard to care for. And so it's really easy for a parent to lose their cool and start abusing a kid that's really difficult mm-hmm. or neglecting a child that's really ne- difficult, you know. And so we, we're starting to see these layers of these kids coming in with multiple, yeah. multiple diagnosis. And you don't even know where to start because do you treat the trauma first or do you try and you know, start treating the disabilities first. You just, what you know, where to start. Here we have all these, like you said, we don't know where to start, but we're trying to dump another 500,000 in the state of North Carolina into the system that we don't know what to do with. Yeah. yeah. And how many, you said we're only uh, one of 
uh, 11 states that haven't done this. Yeah. Imagine all the other states that are also backwards. But also how about the states who have actually implemented That's it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and you know, how backed up they are, how messed up their system is. Right. But they, they fulfilled a political promise probably. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's, that's what it is. That's all it is. Well, and there's some states, um, and one of the things that I do participate in is an organization um, or association of maternal and child health programs. It's called AMCHIP. And so annually I go to a conference and participate with them throughout the year of different looking at what different states are doing for health programs and how they work and borrowing ideas from each other. And there's some states that have done a fantastic job, but they've done it with really having everything in place before Mm -hmm. they plunk these people into the system. And, you know, our state does not do a good job. Our legislature does not do a good job of that in any. No, our our, our state does a horrible. Now, this is the reason why I have little faith in state government. And this is, goes across the board i think state governments suck at anything because they they sit in their little you know the center of their state and they make judgment calls the roads around charlotte we have had a population influx of over eight hundred thousand people in the last 15 years you can't get anywhere in charlotte in certain communities now without an hour commute mm-hmm. you know in, for like a 25 mile drive yeah we had a so basically we had poor planning we had poor infrastructure but invited all these people in by recruiting these corporations and things like that. That's basically what we're doing with Medicare expansion. We're we're recruiting people to vote for our this, you know, for our, our party to implement this, but we don't have the infrastructure yet. Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to move in all these five hundred five hundred thousand new North Carolinians to a Medicare expansion, but we haven't even built the roads or the sewer system yet. Yeah. And then we're gonna be wondering why why I can't get an appointment. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> yeah, and we have a shortage of psychiatric beds all over the state. So kids that are in Cabarrus County that need a higher level of care for mental health, they're going, um, most of our kids are going shipped over to the coast. So, yeah, so you have parents that their kids are four and five hours away. And so how is a child going to get better and come back home if their family is not involved in their treatment, right? But you know what also sucks is, for example, Let's just say you have a bordering a bordering city to a, a bordering state. For example, Charlotte is less than fifteen minutes from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Right. The kid from Charlotte will have to be shipped over to the to the coast, opposed to going to cross state lines. Yeah. Well, good news. I will tell you, there's one facility, and I'll give a shout out to good old New Hope in South Carolina. Way to go, New Hope. Um, they will take our kids, and but we have to, you know, it's a little bit tricky with getting some paperwork done but they will take our kids that are on medicaid but that's Um, one facility one facility one facility but it is really tough because all of most of the families um that i'm working with their kids are getting because most of the facilities are on the east coast um of the state and yeah it's an enormous expense you're not participating in treatment you can't put eyes on your kid to make sure that they're not being abused or neglected or whatever. Yeah. Um, and these facilities aren't great. They are not good at all. And there's very little state oversight on them. Um, so it's, you know, we have a, to say it's a system would indicate that it works mm. or to indicate that it's even broken, right? Mm. It We don't have a system. Mm. We just have this. Band-aids to a problem. Yeah. It's like having open heart surgery and trying to sew it up with uh, Band-Aids. Yeah. One thing I did want to to go back to, you talked about private insurance. Now, 
that's not being offered to you know, mental health isn't a, a big thing on private insurance. And, and most of that, because I have a little bit of inside knowledge of, of that, is most of it is, is done by the companies that you work for negotiating with the insurance companies of what they're going to pay for and what they're not. So I, I would suggest this is the annual enrollment time. Um, you know, go to your company and say, you know, we want the insurance with better mental health as well, mental health coverage, um, and try to get your companies to actively pursue better uh, negotiations with those insurance companies for more coverage for mental health. Uh, I think that would be be huge. I know uh, our company uh, that I work for, uh, they listened to their employees somewhat um, and implemented a new policy for foster parents that allows us to have eight weeks off because people complained enough that, hey, we're not, uh, we don't have that option, we don't have that bonding time. So your company, uh, if you're listening to this, may have that that avenue where you can go to them and say, we want an insurance plan that covers more mental health. So I would advocate for that as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. And it's really cost effective for companies because if the right services are put in place early on, right, when you start seeing some warning signs and you get the kid's treatment, that is much less expensive. Yeah. And you're not having families taking time off work. Well, we don't we don't operate that way. We don't oh, right. op, we don't op, right. operate in a preventative manner. <laughs> you know, right. it no. is you know Jimmy had a Jimmy had a lesion on his face for ten years. Now it's full blown cancer. Well, the doctor turned him right ten, for ten years. I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how we operate. Yep. So we'll do a bake sale for the Diabetes Foundation. <laughs> you know, because well, makes no, sense. no. Go back to talking about insurance. My wife's company has now instead of instead of implementing useful. Like to to the majority of the company, majority of the people, they've now started implementing social justice insurance policies, catered towards probably less than two two percent of the total company population, right. and that's that's troubling right there. Is that they're not focusing on real needs; they're focusing on perceived needs just to have it in their company portfolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, insurance companies have basically, in my opinion, um, taken over government. Mm -hmm. They, you know, for a good example is in 2013, um, the Mental Health Parity Act was passed, which stated that insurance companies had to treat mental health services in the same way that physical health services are. Hmm. So, you know, we had to shift to, um, you know, not having pre-existing conditions, all, you know, all of these different things, no limits, all cancer treatments, all this. And this law passed in 2013 saying that all mental health services had to be treated the same. And somehow they have gotten around it hmm. with loopholes and they don't treat it the same. Hmm. So your co-pays are different. Your deductible is different. Your level of service is different. So it would be like, Brandon, you're a good example. So, even though your insurance company wasn't happy, you needed a heart transplant. So you got the heart transplant. You had access to go to the hospital and get a heart transplant. So someone with schizophrenia who needs to be in a long-term care, let's say group home, Mm -hmm. if they have private insurance, meaning that they might actually do well enough sometimes that they could work, so they don't qualify for Medicaid, 
which is the case with some people with mm-hmm. schizophrenia. But then all of a sudden they have a break and they need to go into some care. It might be, you know, six, nine months where they need to be in a facility. Um, the insurance companies can say no. Mm. So how is a brain disease any different than heart disease? Yeah. But they get away with no, it. Look, it's, it's all backwards. I mean, you talk, talking about Medicaid versus private insurance. I mean, my, my insurance company was charged $1.2 million for my heart transplant. The same surgery on Medicaid was $56,000. There's so wow. many variables. I, I, actually, there's no variables. It's just how they flush out things. Yeah. And both, I, I think both systems are equally broken. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I just don't understand. Um, side note, you know, we, we, you've seen it in our community where we have our shop at. We have a lot of homeless. And not saying all homeless are, but there's a good portion of homeless people that have some type of mental illness. Um, the community where we're at has a, an overflux of it. What, I mean, what say you, if we had a pool of our tax dollars here in the state and opened up state mental facilities that were monitored, I'm not saying the, 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 the ghosts of the twenties and thirties right. were, you know, post smallpox and that were turning into mental facilities. But what, what do you think of having state run facilities like that to house yeah, we're begging for it. So here's what's, here's, Talk again. about stigmas. That was a big yeah. stigma. Here's our federal government at its finest. So back in Kennedy's era, he deinstitutionalized mental health centers because they had become those asylums, right? And they were mismanaged. So in the 60s, they made a rule that you, they made all kinds of rules that basically did away with over the years and by the eighties, all of them were closed. Um, things like you can't have more than 16 beds. You can't keep someone for more than X amount of hours, all these different kind of rules. So most of the advocates now for mental health across the United States, we have been fighting that to try and get, you know, let's think about some you know, we don't have to go back to the days of asylums, but there's got to be a happy medium. Sure. Like, yeah. and there's got to be places, there's some people that have such serious mental illness, they cannot recover, and they need care, and they need quality of life, and they need to be safe, not only for themselves, but the community they're living in. And let's get this homeless rate down. Yeah. It's a battle. Baby steps are happening with it, but it's um, it's a constant advocacy work that's going on across the country but yeah it's if we see it in our lifetime i would be really surprised wow um it's hard to turn that ship around mm -hmm. i mean you know to turn a carnival cruise line ship around probably takes quite a few feet (laughs) so and if you think so the reason why is it's extremely expensive so none of these individuals that have these mental illnesses if they're at that level of care that they need to be institutionalized, they can't contribute financially. So it's a hundred percent reliant on the Medicaid system. And so without funding for it, that's probably, it'll never happen. I'm will. I'm willing to bet if you ever had a fiscally smart governor or federal system, you could actually find those, those policies and crap that we're donating to and spending money on. We could actually probably fund. Yeah. Where our current, I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, even maybe, maybe if we didn't send forty nine billion dollars to Ukraine, we could actually fund something. I mean, there's all kinds of 
money that we're just, yeah. you know, pissing up a rope with sometimes. Well, even from what I saw with Google and Amazon, they're trying to build communities uh, because uh, for homelessness to try to help because they're when they went into those cities, uh, the, the pricing for housing went up so dramatically that they're like, we got to do something about it because we're displacing people. So they're building more communities so that people can afford to live. Yeah, but the live. problem is, though, is you're all of a sudden looping just because you have someone who doesn't have a house, you're looping, they right. can't afford it. Right. The working poor, all of a sudden you're looping them into someone who has been kicked out of their family's house because they have a, you know, they're schizophrenic. Right. You know, yeah. all of a sudden you're, mm-hmm. oh, you're all the same. Right. No, and I get that. Yeah. I'm just saying like no, no, private I, companies are at least. No, I, I like the, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, one of them just opened up. The other day, I think in Denver, I believe, for for, for uh, homeless vets. I thought mm. that was pretty cool. It was a tiny, tiny village thing. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't pretend to know what the answer, but I can see it every day in the community where we're at. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because, you know, just how I will throw them an occasional dollar, that's basically how uh, our, our system works right now. And we'll mm. throw you an occasional dollar just to keep you happy. But... That's yeah. really not the real remedy. Yeah. You know I'm saying like, I know I could do more, but I almost have, would have to force them to go with me so I could actually change their life, you know, yeah. type thing. So I don't know what the answer is, but I just hate, I hate the population of a state or the country falling victim to voting promises by either party to fix a system they know they can't fix. They have no answer. They won't show the, show you their plan until you mm-hmm. vote for them. And then of course, you know, three, four, or five years later when they're up for re-election, you must vote me again, again, that maybe I can get a pass this time. I just sure. hate this whole shell game that we play yeah. every yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, and it's all about the funding because there's lots of candidates that could get up there and give, you know, a great idea how to solve this, you know, how to build communities, how to do. But unless there's funding for it mm-hmm. and the support of the people to pay through tax dollars for it, it'll never happen. Yeah, 100%. And I think that mental health, we only hear about it when there's a shooting. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, it's a mental health issue. And then that kind of goes away. And then from the majority of the public, well, it's not an issue anymore because it's gone away in the news. And then until the next one. And that's what we keep we keep going to. But the, the dialogue needs to continue, not just shooting-wise, but just all over. Like, there has to be more dialogue about mental health in the media. Also, mental health is silent. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can't see it. Right. Like, you know, see someone has cancer. When I had cancer, you could tell. I mean, right. I was bald. Like, I was about to die. I mean, you could tell. You can't tell when yeah. someone has been right. ill. And going back to the shooting thing, so I have really strong opinions about this whole thing. Kurt always has to listen to me about this. <laughs> so let's let's be real here. Like, we're, we're all very Family. logical people with rational thought process, right? right. Usually. Okay. It depends who's asking. Now, How much have we some, of us, some of us around this table carry guns, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But you still have a level of rational thought right. that you are not going to go get pissed off at Popeye's. Right. Ooh, I well. don't know. That, that might draw <laughs> a line. Just the <laughs> and go shoot the place up. Right. All right. So I want to make something really clear of my opinion on this. Sure. Any individual who takes a gun and shoots up a school or shoots up a business or, you know, a concert venue. Right. They are mentally ill. 
there, the definition of mental illness is that your brain has lost its rational function. Mm. You are not thinking in a way that is rational. Right. It is not rational to go shoot people. No. This is a mental illness yep. issue. And now, where it originates from, meaning is it a genetic mental illness? Is it a trauma-based mental illness? What caused all this to happen to that individual? There's a lot of factors there, mm-hmm. but let's call it what it is. Yeah. And and the other thing that irks me is on the news or even some of these larger organizations, MHA, NAMI, I'm calling you out, um, with the stigma campaigns. They will get on a platform and say, most individuals with serious mental illness are not violent, and they are more apt to be victims than they are perpetrators. I call BS. Mm. Come live with a schizophrenic or a kiddo that has reactive attachment disorder, which is extreme trauma from childhood, mm-hmm. and you tell me they're not violent. Yeah. Come spend a day in my world. <laughs> I, th- I think I think they're all victims, but they can. Be- their term, reactions. Yeah, they can turn predatory also in a, in a in a in a reaction sense of that. I mean, yeah. So I don't I don't I don't believe the whole victim mentality mentality is like everyone's a victim. They're not violent. Uh, that's not necessarily yeah. the case. If you let your guard when you're working with this population, if you let your guard down for a minute, you're going to get burnt. Speaking of the shooters, though, and you know, we will, I doubt we'll flesh this out anytime in the future with this topic of shooting and mental illness, you can't determine a mental break. I mean, there's a movie called Man on Fire with Kirk Douglas where one day he just had enough and yep. yeah, that's it. Yep. I mean, you can't predict it. You can't. So you can't. how would you uh, qualify or uh, describe someone who's like a parent who goes after a referee at a kid's basketball game? I call that a Thursday <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> looks like a so again, balance, something. Right? So I would say that person has... See, what I call, I, I try not to categorize it as being mental illness or mental health. And Let's look at it as the brain, right? Sure. The brain's an organ. If your brain is not functioning properly, you're not thinking rationally. And so there's a lot of factors that go into why your brain not be, may not be functioning rationally. But, yeah, if you're the parent that you get so upset at a basketball game that you feel the need to get up out of your seat, and go attack somebody verbally or physically, sure. you are not rational. Yeah. And that needs to be addressed. And when you go back into all these school shootings, there was one today, wasn't there? You told me in California. Um, when you go back and you talk to the family members, the friends of these individuals, the story's all the same. We knew something was up. The mm-hmm. teachers will tell you, we knew something was up. We just didn't know what to do. We didn't. We tried to get them help. We didn't have access to care. Yeah, he used to take, you know, Ritalin as a kid. It's there. Yeah, and well, like, teachers aren't allowed to, like, say anything. Like, right. Diagno- like, even hint at diagnoses, even if they've seen things in the past. They're not allowed to really go, you might want to look into this. Like, there's, there's no, it's really faux pas or illegal for them it's to kinda crazy any... that, It's kind of really? crazy a teacher can't do that. But they're in their, their but situations. They can, but they can debt shame a kid because they have a $10 balance, uh, a minus balance in their lunch <laughs> bank account. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, It is. It is. It. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it. if we but as a society. They can't make any no, kind they, of medical judgment not at all. Judgment, or just they, like, they can't. 
make they can't say, "Hey, I think you know your child might be on the spectrum." What, what know, about with autism or something? Or, what about if they think the kid is being traumatized at home? Yeah, can teachers so teachers can't make a quote unquote medical diagnosis? I think this kid's on the spectrum. Can they report like perceived trauma? Like you know, Sally was well, if they see like bruises and things like that, like physical issues, about, they, they what, can report that. But there's like they're acting funny or they're, you know, if, you know, the behavior changes. So maybe a little girl is not as outgoing as she was the day before. She's just more reserved or something like that. There, there's not a lot they can do. Really? Trying to talk to the counselor. So a teacher can so, report a kid for, for gnawing off their sandwich and hold it up like a pistol, but they can't report. So here's <laughs> what, there's all these channels. Oh my gosh. I think I did three of these cases today all these channels that teachers have to go through and there's documents that have to be signed before they can so release of information like a teacher cannot come to me and say hey i've got a kiddo da, 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 unless the parent signs a release of information mm-hmm. that that teacher can communicate with me mm-hmm. same vice versa i can't tell a teacher anything unless we get that form signed so i spend a lot of time doing that it's fine we can get through that but within the school if a teacher is um, suspecting that there's some issues, there, like in Cabarrus County Schools, we have multi-teams, uh, tiered, I can't remember, MTSS. Yes. <laughs> this process that they have to go through with all this documentation of justifying before they can even really go to, like, before they even get to the parent. There's, like, two, tier one is within the school they have to check all their boxes, and then if those interventions aren't working, then they can talk to the parent. And I'm thinking, no, you call parent day one. Yep. But now some teachers will because they're just like, I, you know, I'm a parent myself. I'm not holding up. But there are some teachers that will go through that checklist and make sure. And by this time, two, three months. Those are the same teachers that won't let kids invite other kids to birthday parties in their classroom yeah 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 i it's the school system has become more about protecting their jobs Mm -hmm. than it has about caring for kids there's very few people left in the school systems that are there because of their intense love for wanting to educate youth a lot of them care more about their job and protecting yep. what they've got. And I'll say that 100% uh, for the foster care system as well, that the judges are and the court system is more concerned about their butts, uh, the, the mother's butts, and, well, not literally, but uh, covering, you know, make sure the mother doesn't sue. Right. And then the children. It, the, the children are the last on the, on the docket for them. Mm-hmm. They could care less. Yeah. They'll move children around three, four different placements just in trying to make their T's crossed and their I's dotted mm-hmm. so that exactly what you said. So they don't end up getting sued. And every single time you place a child with a different placement, that trauma yeah. is so significant. And that's what reactive attachment disorder really is. It happens when kids, you know, in early childhood are have been exposed to trauma um, abuse, neglect, all, you know, all different things. And then you throw placement change and yep. they're attaching to people. Then they're just dis- 
you know, disengaging from attachments and they don't know who to trust anymore. Yeah. And then their, their brains just shut down and you can't turn them back on. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they lose, um, connections with human beings. Yeah. And, and once that happens, it's, it, reactive attachment disorder is actually probably the worst brain illness disorder there is because when you've got schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, manic depressive, you know, depressive um, diagnosis, there's medications that can help bring that into balance and, yeah. um, and therapies that that it, you can work with. Reactive attachment disorder creates those pathways that we talked about, yep. and they really do not care about people. Yeah. They are they become self survival survivalists and they do anything to just protect I want what I want. I want it now. I don't care. I'm gonna get it. And I will kill or hurt anyone that gets in my way. That's it's like I'm going back to a primal nature. It is it state. is it's primal and their brains, there's actually been studies, their brains work in the same way as a reptile brain. They oh, have wow. that um fight, flight or freeze. Yeah. Well, right. we all have a reptilian core in our brain. To some degree, yeah, right. Pr- primordial section of our brain. Yeah. I'm a turtle. But these, <laughs> these kids are there all the time. Yeah. Like, don't ever come out of that. Um, it changes their metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, their heart rates are always faster because they're always ready to, like, fight or run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an incredibly difficult um, thing. And most kids in foster care... If they're not adopted by the time they're three or four years old, they're or placed with at least a consistent foster family. Yeah. So all likelihood they're gonna have reactive attachment. Kids that are adopted internationally almost always have reactive attachment disorder. Um and it's you wanna talk about being able to destroy a family in two seconds flat. Take a kid with reactive attachment disorder <laughs> into your home. And, and that so that's kind of one more of my soapbox, so I don't know if we're, if we're getting close to our ending time. But nope. I just have one more question, but come on. Okay, so I'm going to reach out to the faith-based community in this one. Oh, boy. So this Pull is, up your bootstraps, church. This, this is. And you know what? I mean, we are amazing grace advocacy, and we live by the Lord, and this is what the Lord says to me. Yep. Come on. Is we, as Christians, talk about the least of these. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, um, you know— all this mission work and all this giving that we as Christians are called to do. But in our own homes and in our own community, how many of us would take a kid with reactive attachment disorder and keep them for a weekend, keep them for eight hours? I promise you, probably by 12 hours, you'd be calling somebody and saying, get this kid out of my house. But here in Cabarrus County, just within Amazing Grace, we probably have 16 kids right now with reactive attachment disorder, that these families are absolutely being torn apart and devastated. Mm. And I'm reaching out to the faith-based community and saying, would you be willing to give a minute to these families? Would you be willing to give that mom six hours on a Saturday so that she could take a shower without being worried about her house being set on fire? Could she, um, could her additional children have a break and spend a day with their parents and not, you know, be concerned that someone's going to get hurt? 
Um, these families are living in this county, and I can't get help for them. I can't get respite, which is, um, you know, just essentially babysitting. And so that's going to be my 2020 mission is to reach out to all of our local churches and say, what can you give? What can you do to help? Can you be a mentor? Can you be a big brother, a big sister? Can you do that? You know, because um, these are the kids that they are going to be tough when they're with you. You're going to have to baby-proof your house for a 14-year-old kid. But we've got to come together as a community and figure out how to get these families through this. Because when you sign up to adopt a child, um, you know that it's not going to be easy. You know there's going to be challenges. But no one tells you about reactive attachment disorder (laughs) um, and how hard it is. And I'm sure, you know, foster parents are in the same boat. Even though you signed up for it, you know these kids are going to be difficult. You still need a break. Yeah. You still need a break. 100%. And, you know, Jess mentioned this. It's like we, the, the Christmas season, everybody comes out of the woodwork to help, you know, the foster kids. But what happens, you know, the the other 11 months um, the faith uh, community. There's a, a song. So will I. We'll cry about it. It's it, it, that is so true, though, because um, these families that are raising, whether it be foster or they've adopted, um, these wounds that happen to these children early on, or even in utero when they're born yeah. addicted to substance, um, they need people to love them even when they're not lovable. And the parents raising them just need a breather. If you can just catch a breath once in a while, you can recharge and you can handle this because you've got the tools to do it. But when you are pouring from an empty cup, you're no help to anybody. It's tough. It is. Uh, That song I was saying, um, there's a a line that says... um, uh, I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious child, every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Faith, guys, faith community, we got to dig in and love these kids. Uh, whether they're yours or they're not, there's there's something that you can do that will give them respite, that will give them love, that will show and reach out. Um, and, and that reaction disorder... What, what, what? Reactive attachment. Reactive dece- uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm going to try that again. Uh, if it, It's just consistent. If you just keep going back and back and showing them that you love them no matter what they do, every once in a while you get you get a glimpse. Uh, my glimpse this week, uh, I've been saying I love you, buddy, every day for, for six months. Uh, I got a thumbs up this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got back. It's like thumbs up. All right, cool, man. Let's roll. Um, you know, so it's tough. It's tough to break through that, um, but just keep going. And guys, we know better. Church, we know better. Uh, if he died to save them, so you know, we have we so have we have a we have a tough time with the church, and that's been. Yeah. And Gwen is personal family <laughs> family now, yeah. and she knows my my struggles with the church, and. Um, even the church I attend yep. and just reaching out beyond the four walls uh, to its parishioners and, you know, th- doing the things that don't look pretty, mm-hmm. doing the things that don't get the 
hey, we got the camp T-shirt. We're going to put on everybody, and we're going to go out and serve. You know, we're we're going to, we're going to go out and scoop some sweet mashed potatoes with marshmallows on top of it at a, at a, at a kitchen. I do week. like the mash, the marshmallows. On I the do top. too. But um, you know, the, the it's the thing that looks good for the Instagram pictures, right? When it actually is scraping the the manure off of your shoes from the streets and actually getting in there, we don't want to do it. And I think there's something to the church thinking it's the pastor that's doing it, or even that there is an Instagram moment. I think there's times, I know that there's times in this church that we go to one life where we don't get Instagram pictures and we, and we see God show up in the, the mundane, the weird. I've seen God show up through you and, and stories you tell of pulling over on the side of the road and helping people, or I've seen God work in the middle of a DCBC. Um, where we, we have cigars and bourbon. You know, I, I see those, but we don't Instagram them. We don't talk about them because what's the point? But where I don't hear the stories of us just falling over for helping kids with mental health. You know, it's uh, even churches are like, hey, look, we paid for the guy behind us in Chick-fil-A. whoop de freaking do you know? Like, where is it where we get, actually get more dirty? Mm-hmm. And I think kids are very dirty even just the diapers like i totally get that kids are filthy human beings they're, they're basically walk, they're walking petri dishes in a cdc lab they're, right i mean yeah they're they're, they're horrible yeah I, I do agree though the church let's step up yeah yep so that's my my plea to anyone listening of where no matter where you live these kids are there i yep. promise you yeah and if you don't know where to um, volunteer, start with the Department of Social Services and let them know Mm. that you'd like to help out with respite for families that are raising difficult children because not only are our Department of Social Services working with foster families, but they're working with all the families that get reported Mm. for Child Protective Services, and not all of them have their children taken away. There's hundreds of reports that they have families um, that are just struggling. And most likely somebody in that family's got some kind of brain disorder, and that's why the family is struggling. So that's a good place to start. Um, I can promise you almost in every congregation, the pastor is aware of families that are struggling with Mm. um, mental health within their families. Yeah. Um, just starting there and reaching out your organizations, your nonprofits in your areas, just let yourself be known that you want to volunteer and help. Yeah. Any other questions? No. Right. Uh, one question I have is my last one, uh, ADHD versus trauma brain. I think we get a lot of diagnosis for ADHD. Oh yeah. When there's, trauma brain and we just don't recognize it i think um in in all the cases i've worked with i can maybe say two kids that stand out to me that are classic adhd and came you know genetically have adhd right like it runs in their family Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no trauma Parents are great. Everything's environmentally sound. The kid just has ADHD. The rest of the hundreds, 
and I mean hundreds, yeah. are trauma brains. Yeah. And what happens is it shows up because the kids are not regulating in school, mm-hmm. right? They're impulsive. They're um, disruptive. They, they just don't socially get along with other kids. They're in everybody's, you know, they're bouncing all over the place, all those things. And so what's the solution to it? Drug them mm-hmm. so that they calm down. Because that's all ADHD medications really do, is they slow the brain down. And so we have all these kids with trauma histories on ADHD medications. And what does that lead to? Substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. Because these ADHD medications, especially ones like Adderall, they're methamphetamines. So we're training these kids' brains, right, that they can't function unless they get that that fix. Because huh. it re- rewires the neuropathic yep. or neuropathways. And they're not developing any kind of coping skills, coping mechanisms to deal with those feelings of anxiety, impulsivity that are driving their behaviors. It's just much easier to go to that pediatrician and write a script for Adderall, Vyvanse, all these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and... What are we looking at now in our generation? All of our 20-somethings and down into the high schools now um, are self-medicating. Probably, I would love to see a study, and I'm not aware of anyone doing it, but I wish someone would. Um, So Harvard, if you're listening. Um, You you literally think somebody is listening from Harvard. (laughs) Okay, well, here's the thing. So I have a couple friends at Harvard. Okay. I'm going to tell them they need oh, to listen to That me. would be fantastic. Yes. So how many <laughs> they are going to get like, stupider listening? These, like diagnosed or undiagnosed, how much of it you think is like an actual issue versus our school systems don't know how to handle an eight or nine-year-old boy? Oh, I think it's majority. And they're built into like you sit still and have to hold yourself together for six hours. You get a 15-minute go-crazy minute, sort of, and then you come home. I mean, I mean they're, the, the system is not built for yeah. kids. You know, there's no, exactly. all this pressure on testing, and you have to learn all this stuff, and you have to be perfect the whole time. And maybe that causes trauma. I don't know. but Well, it does. It can make kids really hate school. Yeah. I mean, that's a given. Check. But, it, you know, most of these kids shouldn't be put on any kind of ADHD medications. They shouldn't even be considered for it until at least third grade. And I've got five-year-olds on this stuff. I wonder, wow. I wonder. Five. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I wonder... If being on this ADHD medication, Ritalin, forms of methamphetamines, can cause self-induced trauma, which also therefore backs it up. Here's my point. Lore to methamphetamines were widely used in a drug called Pervitin. This was given to Nazi soldiers. That's what kept them up so late. That's what made the SS soldiers very, very invincible. It's also been linked to the lack of empathy on concentration camp mm. soldiers and being able to do the horrific acts that they were ordered to do huh. and they participated in. So I wonder if there's something in there that shuts off with, with, with like a methamphetamine, Ritalin, whatever, maybe that shuts off the empathy mechanism, which therefore self-induces trauma back to them. So there's already been evidence that Adderall, which is one of the most commonly prescribed ADHD medications. Like candy. Yeah, and, and Adderall is a methamphetamine. Like, I don't care how anybody wants to put a spin on it. That's what it is. Huh. Kids that take Adderall are more likely to have aggression and lack of empathy 
than other ADHD medications. So to me, it's like, why are we, this should be pulled off the market. And Mm. Adderall is one of the most abused drugs on the black market, like in high schools. Kids are getting prescriptions for Adderall and selling it. They Mm. go for, you know, they make pretty good money off Adderall sales. Yep. So why we have this on the market is beyond me. Well, because now we have a history of use for it. Mm. I mean, there's there's war or uh, Vietnam veterans that were prescribed uh, Ritalin or or Adderall specifically. That's such a tough word to say. Specifically um, to get through those war years. I mean, so that now the, the generation has been on Adderall now for 40 years. I mean, yeah. think about how many of those people that how many prescriptions have been written for Adderall that have been continued use for this long to, to take it off the market without an ample substitute. And that substitute would probably be just as bad in the next 40 years. It, you know, we keep hearing about the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, the hidden one is, the Adderall or Ritalin. I think it's the gateway. I'll be honest with you because I, I just see this dependency of young kids that they start believing that they can't function without their ADHD medications. Yes. Like I said, habitual dependency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another million dollar idea. I'm not suggesting we do this, but ADHD mint chocolate chip vapes. Well, I think they just signed a law today to uh, ban uh, right. flavored hey. vapes. So you're about well, a year behind out. on that. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, scratch that off the list. We won't do that one. Yeah. Mints are gone, I think, right? Yeah. That that That's like the number one uh, seller. Yeah. Mint? Mint, Mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Never yeah. guessed that. Mint jewels, I think, are now banned. Yeah. All right. Just really want that so fresh feeling in your mouth and lungs and nasal passages. It's gone. You know, just put some gold bond in there. You'll be all right. But hey, cigarettes are still legal. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, never, those never hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. pretty bad when when you would prefer <laughs> right. someone to smoke a cigarette over a vape. Yeah. Well, I think we know who prefers they smoke cigarettes over vaping because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some industries have taken a, a tumble. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Gwen, if somebody needs to get in contact with you, how do they do that? So the easiest way is through probably the internet, um, email, and through our website. Um, If they just Google Amazing Grace Advocacy, it'll pop up. Our website is AmazingGraceAdvocacy.org. There's a form on there that you can say contact us, and that will come to us through an email. Um, I say that because myself and my staff are with families from sun up to sundown, mm-hmm. and we find it very difficult to take phone calls sure. um, because we want to give every family that individualized attention while we're with them. So um, email is usually our best way, and I'm up at 6 a.m. every morning answering emails from 6 to 8, and then oh, I see goodness. families at 9. So <laughs> when gracious. I say sun up to sundown, I'm not kidding. You ain't joking. Yeah. Goodness. The time change hasn't changed for you, has it? No. No makes it worse yeah uh i can't tell you again how much you mean to uh, the show how much you mean to our family um and uh, my life will never be the same because of you so thank you you're welcome thanks or thanks (laughs) here's the thing and i said this uh off air is at four in the morning like when i'm like i don't i just want to go back to sleep 
But then, like, at 7, when I see her smile, I'm like, oh, it's all over. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. i tell you what. I will come give you respite at 4 a.m. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I've got to be out of there you by 8. you have a key? Because if you have to wake him up to come in to give him respite, he might be upset with that. I'll just, I'll just, do, what our, I'll just do what our pastor does. Just break his window. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's I, done. I'm going to give you some ounce of bad news. Okay. You will go through phases where you'll get a little more sleep. Okay. Okay? Like, yeah. there's some golden elementary school age years. Okay. But then once middle school starts, it starts going downhill again because mm-hmm. they want to stay up late. Yeah. And high school and beyond, you're screwed. Like, you lose that. You're right back at no sleep because— Look, if it wasn't yeah. for my high school uh, Adderall dealer, I wouldn't be sitting there. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm—well, I'm, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be all here Yep. 10 years from now going, oh, what did we do? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Guys, thanks again for tuning into the show. Yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. You can find us on the website at southernfryphilosophy.com. We do have our playable links there. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Southern Fry Philosophy. I usually like to post stupid memes and then get yelled at by Biggin. Um, I did that one time. Okay, maybe Twice. one time. Well, it, it hurt me so deep. It did. Uh, you, trauma. Yeah, where, <laughs> trauma. Wherever, you, wherever you listen to your podcast at, please go look Southern Fry Philosophy. Um, just go there, subscribe, give us a like, a rating, review, and Please don't forget, if you're not an organ donor, make someone's holiday season. Sign up to be an organ donor. <laughs> and that way, just in case you're not around, you can make someone else's life live on. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's actually easier than ever. I found this out yeah. this week. If you're on an iPhone, the health app. Oh, yeah. You can scroll up, and there's a link right on your phone. Oh, wow. Become a donor. Don't become a donor right now. Wow. On, on Android, you'll become a donor in a foreign country. I'm okay with yeah. I don't know. Did you do it? <laughs> Well, we'll, just, well. <laughs> All right. I, I need to check my driver's license. I might already be one. I okay. don't remember. There you go. Uh, guys, thank, again. thank you again for tuning in. And as always, keep looking up. You're listening to the SFP Radio Network.